0: On this night, the evening of Good Friday, we reflect on the last words of Jesus on the cross. Now, not everyone has the opportunity or the capability to consciously choose their final words. And if you Google final words from famous people, you'll find a wide range of final thoughts. The brilliant and accomplished Renaissance man, Leonardo da Vinci, said on his deathbed, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. The last public words of Augustus, the first emperor of Rome, were a comment on his achievements. He said, I found Rome a city of clay, but I leave her a city of marble. But his actual last words spoken to his family in private were a little more conflicted, acknowledging both doubt and inauthenticity. In authenticity, he asked, Have I played my part well? Then applaud me as I exit. The last words of Jesus recorded in the 19th chapter of the Gospel of John are simply, It is finished. And the title of this sermon describes that cry as a word of triumph. One day it will have to be said of my life and your life, It is finished. Will that cry, I wonder, be a cry of triumph or of despair? I suspect that most sober-minded people feel more uneasiness than pleasure when we contemplate the moment we will say it is finished. There may be a few hardy souls or foolhardy souls who feel that they are living their best lives and being their best selves 24-7, year after year, People who look at their lives from the beginning to the present and say with satisfaction, I am crushing this, I am doing all the things, I am doing them well, my life is a triumph. But I think most of us have serious doubts and sometimes even some serious regrets about the life we've led. Some folks have large regrets. There are men who deeply regret acts of betrayal or violence. There are parents living with guilt for terminating the lives of their unborn offspring. There are young adults ashamed of an adolescence given over to addiction. And regrets that seem smaller by comparison are even more common and often not less difficult to shake. Regret for our chronic pettiness or irritability, sorrow over our selfishness, years lost to unforgiveness or bitterness. Even for believers in Jesus, this uneasiness around our death, around our unfinished lives, persists. This has been a problem ever since the first man, Adam, broke faith with God. Unlike you and me, Adam had a brief and beautiful season of living a thoroughly glorious life, completely in harmony with God and his surroundings. But in breaking with a good, and life-giving God, he broke with goodness and with life itself. He lost, Adam lost, for himself and for all of us, any possibility of living a perfect life, and he gained for himself and for all of us a despairing death. If we are unable to look back on our lives with satisfaction, how can we look forward from death into what comes next with any sense of hope? How can you die a triumphant death unless you've lived a triumphant life? This is where the final words of Jesus become not just interesting to reflect on, but keenly relevant to our own life and our own death. Jesus said, when he had received the sour wine, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Now for last words, this is short and pithy and not as elegant as the last words of da Vinci or Augustus. But to what is Jesus referring? In an immediate sense, it can be understood as a cry of relief. Jesus is completely human, just as he is completely God. And I imagine there's a strong edge of sheer triumph just in proclaiming the end of the deep agony and unimaginable pain he'd been suffering for long hours at this point it is over, is certainly one aspect of these words. But in reality, these last words go so much deeper than an announcement of the end of pain. The Greek word tetelestai doesn't just mean over or done. It means something much more like completed, fulfilled, or even consummated. And it refers not just to the process of dying, but to the whole life and the whole mission Of Jesus. When Adam sinned, when you and I sinned and lost contact with the life and the goodness that flow from the Father, God set into action a plan that would enable us to re enter a state of perfect harmony with Him. Jesus came on a mission to do everything that we can no longer do for ourselves. And His cry, It is finished, is not just a cry of relief, but of joy and hope and delight in the fact that now. At the moment of his death, you and I and anyone in all the world who puts their faith and trust in Jesus can die without despair. We can, in fact, die in triumph. Jesus spoke these words of triumph, not just over his own life, but over your life and my life as well. This is because Jesus had completed the perfect human life tempted but sinless, living in perfect harmony and fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. He lived under the same conditions that you and I do, and worse, extreme pressures, extreme vulnerability, extreme suffering, and extreme temptation. But through it all, he never broke faith with the Father and the Spirit. Jesus, in fact, is called the second Adam because he did what Adam And what you and I were meant to do, but failed to do, he lived in harmony with the Father, the source of all goodness, the source of all life. And Jesus came on purpose to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death, not as a cosmic experiment, not for his own gratification, not to show that he could do it, but to share that triumph of his life with you and with me and all who labor under the threat of death. He died the dreadful death that we deserve to die, and he lived the perfect life that we were meant to live. Now that whole whole English sentence, it is finished, is translated from that Greek word I mentioned, to telestai. In the Greek language, there's a verb tense that describes a one-time act that happened in the past that has an ongoing perpetual effect in the present. This verb tense is really rarely used in Greek, but it captures perfectly what happened on the cross. The perfect life and death of Jesus is a one-time-only, never-to-be-repeated thing. He did what he was called to do, and he did it to the uttermost. It is done. But the effects of what he completed, those go on forever. The work of the cross is done. But the power of the triumph is permanent and it stretches into eternity. In fact, his once for all death changes our lives forever. The work that Jesus finished on the cross is the foundation that we build our lives on. We can build our lives on the it is finished of Jesus because everything essential has been done for us. The finished work of Jesus means that instead of living in despair, in the shadow of death, those who are in Christ Jesus live in triumph in the life of the cross. Looking at verse 34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Now, that detail may not communicate much all by itself, but it's important to know that in John's gospel, blood and water are powerful symbols of life. Earlier in the book of John, uh, John chapter 6, verse 54, Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And in John 4, Jesus says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Out of the very corpse of God springs new life for the world. There is no more poignant sight or any object that incites more sorrow or pity or revulsion than a dead body. And yet, when the body of Jesus was pierced by the tip of the spear moments after his death, life pours out. Even in the midst of our suffering, the life of Jesus can spring up and out of our own lives. Good Friday holds a promise of hope and triumph for anyone who comes to Jesus. We bring our sad, regret-filled, anxious lives to him. And in exchange, he gives us himself, the blood and the water of eternal life. We not only have the promise of his companionship in all our sufferings, we have the hope of eternal life right now to sustain us and bring us in triumph to death and through death, where we will be reunited bodily in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. This promise is offered so freely and to people in so many different circumstances that it can really seem abstract. Let me share with you how the life of Jesus has moved in the lives of a couple of people I know. I've changed their names and I've tried to choose people with stories Emmanuel folks are unlikely to know to protect privacy, but these are people that I know. I think of my friend Jaime. When I met Jaime almost 30 years ago now, He was about 30 years old at that time, and he had lived most of those 30 lives on the streets of Chicago as an illiterate addict. Now I've had the joy of witnessing how the life of Jesus has been slowly and steadily bringing forth new life from Jaime, freeing him from addiction, enlivening his really sharp intellect, and leading him to a place where for many, many years now, he has been leading other men into relationship with Jesus. I think of my friend, Stacia, who grew up in a really strict religious family and a really strict church where she was treated poorly in the name of God. And she was taught many things about God and about herself that were untrue and really quite damaging. By God's grace, she hung in there with Jesus, who has been gently and patiently unteaching and reteaching her about himself. And she is gradually finding the peace and healing for the emotional and spiritual wounds that she's received. And in my own unremarkable life, I found in Jesus a man to whom I can bring all of my sins and all of my temptations to despair, and from whom I can receive all the forgiveness and all the hope that I need to live, especially in times like these, Whether my own little life will be labeled as a tragedy or a triumph is, thank God, so much less important than the fact that I am united with Jesus in his life and his death. Anyone who desires can turn away from sin and despair and build a life on the finished work of Jesus we can receive this new life through the water and blood that flowed from Jesus' side. That is by going in faith through the waters of baptism and receiving by faith, the body and blood of Jesus in the Eucharist. And there are a thousand little ways to bring him our sins and our fears on a daily or even an hourly basis through prayer, through meditation on his words, through conversation with a spiritually mature Christian, There is even tonight an opportunity to lay hold of the hope and the life of Jesus through prayer. After this service closes, I encourage you to find a link on this page that will enable you to pray with a godly man or woman who's been trained to pray with you and for you in the presence of Jesus. And I urge you to do that, especially in a time when we're separated physically from one another. There's an opportunity to lean into the life of Jesus with a person, an actual human being you can pray with. Out of his own grief and pain, Jesus spoke the final word on sin and death. It is finished. May the hope and life of Jesus be yours tonight. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.